You're listening to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Some material may be disturbing and we do use adult language. Listener discretion is advised. To get access to new episodes, subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in on the conversation on Instagram and join our Facebook discussion group at Killer Queens Podcast, where we discuss cases covered on the show and all things 90s. But don't take our word for it. <laughs> now on to today's case. Oh, man. Happy New Year. <laughs> new Year, new me. <laughs> Except not really. I'm just the same old. New Year, who dis? Oh. <laughs> okay. Well. Oh, man. Okay. Let's move on. Yep, let's yeah. move on. Okay, getting right into it. Yep. Uh, today we are covering a case that was a cold case for 10 years. About. Yeah, right at 10 years. Yeah. yeah. And um, it is now solved thanks to DNA mm-hmm. and the work of some good policemen. Always be thankful for DNA. Yep. It's in your blood. <laughs> <laughs> so October 27th, 1992, Shauna Howe is 11 years old and Halloween is just right around the corner. In Oil City, Pennsylvania. Yes. It happens to be right around the corner for the rest of the world as well. <laughs> yeah. But I think, yeah, it's always going to be right around the corner. Especially in Oil City, in Oil Pennsylvania. City. Sure. So this year, Shauna uh, wanted to dress up as a gymnast. So she had a blue kind of stripey bodysuit. And she had her tights she had like long gloves. She was really excited. She had a Girl Scout meeting that night. And so what the, they were going to do in the Girl Scouts was go to like a nursing home, I guess, and sing for them. I'm not, I don't know. Are there Halloween carols? Monster Mash, maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like, remember that CD that everybody had of like Halloween songs? Like somebody, somebody's friend had one and it was like, purple people eater oh yeah yeah yeah. and yeah. the monster mash and like the adams family yeah. so, uh, song and stuff yeah so maybe that's what they did maybe interesting <laughs> so after the meeting let out it's around eight o'clock p.m uh shauna is gonna walk home so she's about two blocks from home her mom says that nobody was there to pick her up because she had forgotten to pick her up um and that i don't know i felt sad about that because it's like I feel like probably as a parent, you blame yourself no matter what when something happens to your kid and she probably carries a a lot lot of of guilt. guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that. But I mean, I don't know. It seemed like she was working or something Mm because I couldn't find exactly where she was that night, but she doesn't get home until pretty late. So I'm thinking maybe she was at work or something. Yeah. And her mom seems like a really, really good mom. Like, oh, yeah. Not any kind of. I don't know, absentee mother or no, something. Yeah. So Shauna decides just to walk home. So I, so I don't know if that was like a normal thing or like if she knew to like wait a few minutes and maybe if her mom couldn't be there, then just go ahead and walk home. But it kind of didn't seem like it phased her because she and her friend Joey L were going to walk together. But at the corner of one of the streets, Joey L goes straight and Shauna takes the left And Joey L offers to walk her the rest of the way. And she's like, no, it's fine. Like, I'll get it. It's just another block. Like, no big deal. So, um, you know, unfortunately, well, and I mean, probably, I mean, that could have saved Joey L's life probably too. But that would be the last time that Shauna was ever seen alive by anyone other than whoever took her. So... By about 8.30 p.m., Shauna's stepfather, John Brown, is starting to get worried. He says he thought the time had changed, like, earlier that week. Um, So it was getting darker earlier, and it just made him nervous that she wasn't home yet, but he knew she had that meeting. And so at first he's thinking, well, maybe it's just it feels later because it's darker. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Um, and John is so precious. I uh, just love him. He is so precious <clears throat> with his little braided beard. Yeah, he's so sweet. Yeah. Um, so he said around that time, Lucy, who Shauna's mother had called him and he asked her when that Girl Scout meeting is supposed to be out. Cause he's like, Shauna's not home yet. When should that have ended? Like, I'm not sure if I should be worried. And she says 
that should have been over by now. So I really think she should be home. So by 930, John started calling like local hospitals, um, just anywhere he could think of to see if maybe something had happened and she'd been taken somewhere. Um, and of course, nobody, nobody had her there. Um, so John was just kind of making calls until Lucy got home and she said she got home at about 10 o'clock and Shauna still wasn't there. So they knew at that time, like, okay, Girl Scouts would never go this late. Um, they called the police. So the police respond to the call. They arrive at Shauna's home to talk to her parents. And at this time, they're still just hoping she's at a friend's house. Maybe we'll find her somewhere. Maybe she went with, you know, somebody and just couldn't call or whatever because, you know, this is 1992. This is before cell phones, smartphones. There's no texting. Like, um, maybe she just didn't have a way to get in touch with them or whatever. Um, so while the police officer is there, um, they get a call over the police radio that a man named, hmm, a man <laughs> named Dan Payton had gone into the police station to report that he saw a young girl being abducted. So he had been walking on West First Street and saw a young girl walking on the other side of the street. And then he saw a tall, skinny man wearing a ball cap grab her and shove her into a small red hatchback type car that drove away immediately. So again, because this is 1992 and there are no cell phones, He's running around, banging on doors, trying to get somebody to open up and let him in so that he can call the police. Um, so now the police are like, okay, this definitely could be Shauna because we know she's missing. We can't find her. And that's the exact route she would have taken home. So we need to jump into action. And I'm glad that they did. I mean, I guess if you have a report then that says... So I saw somebody being abducted. They're going to take it seriously. But even her being like 11 years old, even before they had this call from Dan Payton, like it seemed like they were taking it really seriously. Like yeah, not I, just writing it off as a runaway. Well, yeah, we've heard that so many times. I mean, isn't it like the missing persons thing? They have to be missing for 24 hours or 48 hours before. Well, that's for adults, right? Yeah, I think adults is 72 hours. Maybe. Oh, wow. Or I don't know. Yeah, I could be making that up. I think we're making the whole thing up, honestly. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it is great that they did take it seriously. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of times, even with kids, you know, young, they're like, well, she probably just ran away. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the 80s, that's what it always was. Yeah, all the movies that I've ever watched, they always ran away. Yeah. Well, but they always <laughs> called kids a runaway. Like, in the Johnny Gosh case, the um, the sheriff in that town, like, when people got together to try to organize search parties, he would bust them up and say, this kid's nothing but a damn runaway. Yeah, and... I'm confused about, I guess, what a sheriff is supposed to do. Uh, yeah, that whole case was bonkers, but... Bonkers! Listen bonkers. to you. You're not playing around today. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Wow. Okay. So, Detective Charles Daly immediately sets up a roadblock once they knew Shauna had been abducted. And Lucy says, you know, obviously, while the police were there and they're filing their report... She's concerned because she doesn't know where Shauna is. Then they get that call over the radio and she's like, that's how I found out Shauna had been kidnapped. Like she heard the call come in and said, that's her, you know, it's got to be just terrifying, like more terrifying by the second. I mm -hmm. cannot imagine. No. Um, so they set up the roadblock. They are stopping everybody they can. They're talking to everybody that they can. Um, there was an officer, Robert Wenner, who was a like patrol officer. Then he's now the chief of police in Oil City. Um, he was on patrol that night. He was part of the search for Shauna. And he he was just, you know, talking about how it's so important, obviously, to do what you can to find a child once they've been abducted. Because after that 24-hour mark, you know, he's like the the likelihood yeah of finding them decreases pretty much by the minute um so they're i mean they're really doing everything that they can so night turns to morning there's still no sign of shauna uh by this time word had gotten out in the community and hundreds of people had taken to the streets to find shauna 
um, Lucy said that she like literally looked out the window the next morning and there was just tons of people just walking around and she knew they were all looking for Shauna and she wanted to be out there, but the police were like, you need to stay here in case she comes home in case somebody calls. If somebody wants ransom, like somebody needs to be here. So we've got lots of people looking like you need to be here. And she said that was like the hardest thing for her. She was like a caged animal or yeah. something. Like she just wanted to be out so bad. Yeah. You want to be able to do something. And she, I guess felt like she wasn't doing anything. Um, so two days after Shauna's abduction, we're now at October the 29th, a man driving home from a camp area and there's like a swimming hole and stuff uh, called Coulter's Hole noticed an item under a bridge. So he called it into police and they contacted Shauna's family to identify it. And they brought her stepfather, John, to identify the item, which turned out to be Shauna's bodysuit from her Halloween costume. So um, I guess this man knew that Shauna had disappeared, what, like what she was wearing, and he thought it looked like it. And he did the right thing. He didn't touch it. He didn't do anything. They tell him, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't touch it. <laughs> and he called the police and said, you need to get somebody out here. Yeah. This out. Yeah. I mean, that's and, what I would say. And sure enough, they did. Yeah. But how sad. I mean, now she's like, she doesn't have any clothes on. Like, I mean, except yeah. for her little leggings or something. But yeah, yeah. you know, this is not a good sign. No. Um, so, and, you know, John's like, yeah, that's exactly what she was wearing when she left the house. Um, so the bodysuit was sent to the crime lab for testing and they were able to find DNA on it. There were several seminal deposits. Um, and... With DNA obviously not being then what it is today, they they didn't know who the DNA belonged to because, you know, it took it would have taken a really, really, really long time to get a hit on somebody who would have already been in the system. But at that time, I'm not exactly sure how everything was filed either. Like, it's not like, you know, you could put it in. Well, and also like in those shows you know, CSI or whatever, it's like, they'll find something and they bring it into the crime lab and they're like, get a test on this, you know? And then they're like, beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, 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 and they're like, oh, yep, that belongs to this guy or whatever. And it's like happens immediately. And like, it's still, even with technology, the way it is today, it takes yes months. But can we please talk about that amazing snap you just did? That was really great. Did I snap? Oh yeah, you did. <laughs> and you're like on, I mean, I was on it. Yeah. You're, you're great. Boom. Um, also wanted to bring up the fact that in super bad, <laughs> and Seth Rogen is like, yes. One of the things that no one prepared me for is that I thought there was semen on everything. <laughs> yeah. He's like, there's not semen on everything. There's hardly any semen anywhere. <laughs> so found the bodysuit. Found the bodysuit. There is semen on it. Disgusting. Yes, that's terrible and awful. I, I was She's also 11. wondering because I know then to get DNA samples, they took blood. Mm, they couldn't mm -hmm. do swabs and stuff. Right. I wonder the level of difficulty. And I don't know. This is just me not knowing literally anything. I'm like negative knowledge about it. But um, it would it have been difficult back then to compare like seminal deposits and blood samples? Well, I think that what you pull from that is the DNA profile. So they both are going to contain DNA. Mm. Because I think really the only... Like, I learned this in the uh, Stephen Avery thing in Making a Murderer the second season. About the the spit or something? The sweat. So, sweat. Yeah, I remember in the first season they made a big deal that they found touch DNA from sweat all over the hood. And Brendan Dassey had said that Stephen was sweaty and like all this stuff or whatever. Well, the, what they were saying is from DNA, you can't tell what the actual sample came from oh. like the only thing you can really discern would be the dna profile well blood versus maybe like semen or oh whatever but you can't tell sweat you can't tell okay like touch dna you're not going to know what it came from necessarily I, know, I feel like i've heard of cases that were like well we had hair samples but we couldn't use those and compare them to blood samples or something. I feel like there was something like that. Hmm. Maybe if it was like not a complete profile. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe don't I'm know. making it up. I don't know. I don't know. Let us know. 
write in to us at youdumbbitches.com. <laughs> Killer Queens. Yeah. Po- hey, guys, we have a website. Oh, yeah. Just saying. Uh, KillerQueensPodcast.com. <laughs> at Yahoo. No, what was... I'm trying to think of like an old one because Yahoo's still a thing, I guess. Is it? Wait, is it? Yeah, because yeah, Steven has a Yahoo. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll ask Jeeves. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Moving right along. Yes. So on October the 30th, a man who'd been staying at a cottage in Coulter's Hill... Mm-hmm. I, I knew that was going to say, happen. yeah, Coulter's Hull <laughs> called police and he stated he'd been walking on a bridge over the creek and quote unquote, there she was. So Shauna's lifeless body lay in the creek bed. She's like partially in the water. Um, she is nude. She had like some of her clothing items were found nearby and they also found a candy wrapper very very near the body um so what was really strange about this though is because that's really near where they found the bodysuit so law enforcement had been there the entire day before that completely combing the area because the bodysuit had been found and she wasn't there so somebody had come back and dumped her body there overnight and they said what it seemed like had happened was they had basically walked on that bridge carrying her body and then just dumped her over, which was like a 33 foot drop. Um, but they believed that she was alive when she was thrown from that. So, and she was alive for like something they believe like five, 10 minutes after. Yeah. Up to 15 minutes after. Yeah. Laying there. And so terrible. And they believed that she, her death was actually caused by, her injuries from the fall is horrible horrible yeah, it's awful um so lucy is notified by her brother that shauna's body had been found um and john brown shauna's stepfather says that when he heard lucy's cry he knew exactly what it meant lucy started crying and let out a wail that i'll never forget one of those whales that goes to your soul. You know what it is. It speaks to something very primal in you. And it's the whale of a mother losing a child. Absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. He's so articulate, though, and like the way that he said, described that, I thought, I don't know. I just thought it was really well. Yeah, said. well said and yeah. needed to be shared. Yeah. He's super eloquent. Yeah. So Halloween was the day after Shauna's body was found and Oil City ended up just canceling Halloween that year. Um, the, obviously, the community was they were in mourning and they were also afraid because there's somebody out there taking kids off the street, seems like. And what easier way to do it than kids wandering around on Halloween. So they canceled it. They wanted to be sure that everything was safe. Um, So no Halloween Mm -hmm. that year. And the police are um, really focusing in on the DNA from the bodysuit. I mean, obviously that's going to be their strongest piece of evidence. So they want to focus there as much as they can um, as they really begin an intensive investigation. So with it being 1992, um, like we said earlier, you mentioned they had to actually have people come in for blood tests. They couldn't just swab people or whatever. So when they talked to people um, or interviewed anybody and asked them to give their DNA, they had to like literally go and get their blood drawn. Um, and the police took DNA samples from anybody they could. If they talked to you, they were going to get your DNA if, as long as you agreed to it. Um, they even took a blood sample from John, uh, Shauna's stepfather and, um, Shauna's brother. And Lucy was pissed about that. She was like, the fuck do you mean? Cause he was young then. Yeah. He was yeah. really young. Um, and they were like, you know, yeah, maybe it wasn't like really, um, your favorite thing, but he well, and Lucy said she was like, he, the son was like, mom, 
let me just do it. Like, yeah, I'll it's just do fine. it. Yeah, obviously I have nothing to do with it, so let me do it. Um, but the police were like, you know, we're not leaving any stone unturned. And he was old enough to, at that point, produce semen. So they wanted to be sure. And that's just good investigating. I mean, I know if I was in the situation, I would be pretty right. pissed as well. Like, I get where Lucy's coming from, but at the same time, they were just doing their jobs and... yeah. Because the other side of that spectrum could be tunnel vision and they don't check other people when they really should. So this is definitely the way to go, Mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, And I really thought they did. I mean, not that I'm one to like who am I to critique an investigation, but well, that's all we do. (laughs) Yeah. But just like with all the cases that we've covered and everything, I thought they really, really did their due diligence. Yes. Here. Um, so they're taking DNA samples from everybody that they can. Um, they were looking for suspects everywhere that they could at Shauna's school, the Girl Scout troop, the, even the, um, the home that they were at that night, the nursing home or whatever it was. Um, just everywhere that they could find somebody who would have any type of connection with Shauna. They started with that close inner circle and they worked their way out. Um, and as many people as they tested and one of the officers said it was like they had hundreds of DNA samples. None of them were a match. Yeah. None of them. So, so frustrating. Yeah. After more than a year of intense investigation, the police have received no new leads and the case starts to go cold. Um, so with, um, no new leads to work with, they start looking at a man named Bill Crabtree and he's the man who found Shauna's body. Um, he happened to also drive a small red car and the police still felt that his being in the area where Shauna's body was found was kind of suspicious. Um, especially since it wasn't there the day before. Right. So, and he was staying there like he was in the cottage that night and then that the next morning and overnight the body would have been dumped so, yeah, like, what are you doing here, Bill? Yeah, exactly. What's going on with that, Bill? Um, Come on, Bill. Yeah, but his DNA didn't match the bodysuit, and uh, the police were unable to find any evidence during their searches because um, they got search warrants. They searched his home. They searched his car. They had nothing to link him to Shauna, nothing to link him to the murder. I mean, the only thing that linked him to the case was that he found her body. Um and it's got to be a tough gig finding a body uh, in so many ways, like traumatizing, first of all. Obviously. Yes. Um, but also, like, you're going to have some suspicion on you if if it's unknown who has committed this crime. So and I mean, I don't know, not that if if you find a body, like if I found a body, which I would never wish forever, but like going back to the Casey Anthony trial and then they really reamed, him apart, yeah, yeah. Cronk. And that was really sad. You tried to take a piss in the woods. <sighs> I mean, I mean, it's <laughs> like, I hasn't done that. Yeah. That's why I don't jog. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's why. That's why it's okay. dangerous. It is dangerous. It's yes. dangerous. Cause either you get abducted or you find a body and neither of those things I want to be part of. It's no. just not safe to jog. Yeah, it's just safer just to stay at home, watch Netflix. Exactly. Yes. I'm safe there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so Bill Crabtree doesn't pan out. Um, then the police receive a call that a man named Ted Walker matched the description of the man seen abducting Shauna. So who's Ted Walker, you may ask? <laughs> um, I do want to say that while we were re- doing research, Torella could not remember. She was like, Walker, what was his name? And I got her good. I was like, Dumas. If anybody listens or did listen to um, 80s, yeah, 80s or 90s country, there's a song called Dumas Walker. And all I have to do is like say any variation of either Dumas Walker or just Dumas to Torella and she's like son of a bitch because it's stuck stuck in in her her head head. Mm -hmm. for a week yep yeah so if any of you know the song sorry but I'll sorry gotcha yeah (laughs) (laughs) because now it's stuck in your head zinged yeah uh so Ted Walker worked at the local pizza shop 
And he'd met Shauna several times uh, when she'd gone in to eat with her family. And Lucy, Shauna's mom, said that all the girls were kind of freaked out by him because if he was working, he'd want to give any girl that came in a hug. Yeah, they would like run from him. What the fuck, Ted? Like, that's so weird. Yeah. Why would you? Why? Uh-uh. Yeah, it's like, okay, if you're maybe their like uncle. Yeah. Or something. Well, but even then, there are some weirdo uncles. Yeah. So it's like, unless you're like part of the family, you and should. And a hug is necessary. Yeah. You should not be like, hey, little girl, you want to give me a hug? Is that your pedophile voice? That's my Ted Walker voice. Oof. Oof. Yeah, it's pretty creepy, right? It's gross. It really grosses me out. Well, good. I did a good job then. Because <laughs> I, don't he's gross. To, I don't know how to insult you about this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so. Yeah, everybody just thought he was like a creepo. Because and he was, He yeah. was really interested in young girls, apparently. He was always wanting to give them hugs, and that's fucking weird. And he also drove a small red car. I'm just saying, I'll say, I said it before and I'll say it again. Apparently, it's illegal in the city, oil city, to have a medium or large red car. You could only have a small red car. Yeah, there. all of them are small. Um... <laughs> And so he matched the description. He had the car and he had a connection to Shauna. So um, these are all things that are looking like, okay, maybe we're getting somewhere with this. And then his DNA didn't match. God, I cannot even imagine what it feels like for police when you've like, you've such a good lead and then it doesn't pan out. And then, of course, for Lucy and John, like, and you're like, like, how does this not work? Because he matches everything. Like, how are we getting like? coming up empty on this it just yeah so detective rick graham began re-canvassing the neighborhood that shauna lived in and the neighborhoods nearby to dive deeper into the people who had maybe not thoroughly been investigated before um so that you know they kind of tried to talk to everybody but they you know maybe they just didn't go super deep into every single person so he's like you know what fuck it i'm going deep i'm going in. in yeah going in so he starts talking to everybody and he took an interest in a man named michael pruitt who lived only a couple doors down from where shauna had gone missing um and he mysteriously fled oil city the day after shauna's body had been found he like literally got on a bus and left town um surprised he didn't take a small red car <laughs> so upon searching Michael Pruitt's home, they found what they kept calling a cubby hole. So it was kind of like underneath the stairs. It seemed like the floors were unfinished. like a crawl space. Yeah, like a crawl space. Um, and they thought that maybe that could match some injuries to Shauna's knees. She had like scuffs and scrapes on her knees. So they thought that she'd been held somewhere. So she'd been abducted because her body wasn't found for a few days after she went missing. But we know that where her body was found, she wasn't there even the day before because police had been there. So definitely she had been somewhere else. And then and where her body was found is where she died. So yes. yes. Yeah. That's where she died. So, um, they think that she was alive, you know, even when she was dropped off of the bridge, but they know that she was held somewhere. So they are thinking, okay, well maybe she was in this crawl space and she was like, had to be on her knees and that would maybe like scuff up her knees. Um, so the DNA sample from Pruitt came back and to law enforcement's disappointment, it was not a match. Mm -hmm. So DNA sample 398, not a match. It's like, they're just, they're literally doing everything they can. It's so awful. Mm -hmm. So now three years after Shauna's murder, Officer Robert Wenner receives a call from Officer Tom McClellan, and he's told that another young girl, I'm sorry, she wasn't a young girl, this was a woman, um, was almost abducted. She'd been walking, so she had gone to a bar, and then she was walking home from the bar, and she was beaten, and her attackers attempted to put her in the trunk of their car. So she identified her attacker as a man named Jimmy O'Brien, And he was very well known to the police. Um, His brother, Tim O'Brien, was also well known to the police. They're like basically shithead brothers who 
just cause trouble all the time. They're always in trouble. They're always in and out of jail. They feed off of each other, apparently. Like, they're horrible human beings cut from the same cloth. They're Yes, which is, like, I feel like the worst. I don't know. There's nothing worse than having one shithead like that than having another fucking shithead like that like <laughs> yeah of course well, great yeah and yeah you when you get because i know how we are when we get together we just get wild <laughs> so wild yeah we i mean play, might play the sims all night long <laughs> <laughs> we might cancel our plans the whole next day and play <laughs> who knows yeah. but we feed off of each other is what i'm saying oh. with our sims playing yes but yeah i could imagine yeah yeah, yeah if your thing that you do together is rape women and attack Ugh. people like Ugh. I don't I can't I don't even understand that. I don't know them personally but I hate them like yeah, they're, they're so gross and awful the fucking worst yeah. um so she said that she knew that if she got put into the trunk of that car that she was going to be dead because I mean they had viciously beaten this woman and look at her like I'm I mean to fight back like that I guess you go into fight or flight mode but I have negative knowledge and also negative muscles so i don't know what i would do <laughs> right yeah and she's like i just fought with everything i had but yeah it's amazing like what your body can do and like what adrenaline does to your body and i guess that realization of like oh shit, this, this is, is it yeah it's yeah. it's them or me basically um so it's i mean it's amazing that she lived to to tell the tale and and get these shitheads put in jail mm-hmm. um so Jimmy O'Brien was immediately arrested for uh, attempted kidnapping. And one very interesting thing about this attack and attempted abduction is that it took place on the very same street that Shauna had been taken from three years before. I mean, like very, very nearby where this was. So during meetings that the, uh, police station was holding to like discuss Shauna's case officer winner was asking the detectives like have you guys looked at the O'Briens for this murder you know because of all these similarities and they have sexually violent pasts they've been arrested for sexual assault many times you know all this kind of stuff and detective Daly who like was the detective on the case was like I myself arrested the O'Briens many times over the years and he looked into them as well because he thought they could be good for it but when he checked everything out he learned that they were in jail the like when the abduction and the murder occurred so there was no uh, way that it could be them yeah again they're like fuck mm-hmm. like everything every lead we go down it just seems like it doesn't work out like what is going on here what are we missing here so they they were ruled out. Um, so during the five years after Shauna's murder, um, her mom, Lucy, purchased a computer. She got access to the Internet. She got... I bet she little, had some mail. Yeah. AOL CDs. <laughs> and oh. had some dial-up. And um, but she... But she could not be on the phone at the same time. That's a no-no. No, 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 no. And she learned about the website where you can look up to see like the number of pedophiles living in your area. And she was absolutely shocked because she said it was just like everywhere around her. There was pedophiles. Well, have like, you she ever looked? No idea. Yes. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying I don't know. I don't know how I don't even know if I want to go there. Like, the can they be rehabbed? Can you know, like, I don't know. Right. Although, like... Is it like a horrible boss? Right. Like, he was just, like, peeing in the playground. I don't know. But, um, because I've read some of the charges on them, too, and some of them are really vague. Like, you don't know exactly what happened. Like, um, we have a few, like, within, like, a five-mile radius of our house, maybe. None in our neighborhood. But my friend Amy... She's like, I visit that website all the time. She's like, I memorize their fucking faces. <laughs> and she's like, when she goes to the park with her son or whatever, like she said one time she saw one of them, like one of the guys. No way. And she was like, she said she pointed at him and he was like, oh shit. <laughs> and he ran away. And she was like, I fucking knew his face from that website. Like she does not fuck around no, with that. No, she does not. I mean, it's definitely something if you have kids, even if you don't have kids, it's just good to know because mm-hmm. it's sexual predators like of any kind that are on there, pedophiles and all that. Um, 
so, you know, and she was like, this person, whoever did this, obviously they're still out there. Like they could be walking up and down the street, passing in front of my house every day. And I would have no idea. Like it's just terrifying. Like, and it's kind of like a taunt, like they're, they're out there, you know, just scary. So October the 29th of 1997 marked a five year anniversary of Shauna's body being found. And it would be this day that tragedy would strike Oil City again. Um, another young girl, she's only four years old, Shanae Freeman, disappeared from her backyard. So she was last seen playing with two friends at about 1.30 p.m. on the edge of a wooded area beside her home. So I guess her house like kind of backed up to the woods or whatever. And um, Shanae's disappearance was discovered when one of her friends, so she's playing with a couple of her little buds there in the backyard little buds yeah and um one of her friends cut her hand while they were playing outside so she went inside to ask for like a band-aid or whatever and Shanae's mom was inside and fixed her up and probably kissed her boo-boo and then she's like hey can you send Shanae inside I need her to put her coat on because it was getting chilly outside so when her friend goes back outside she comes back in and she's like Shanae's not there. I can't find her. So they start looking for her everywhere. They cannot find her. She's gone. Um, it, you know, so this is like one 30 in the afternoon. They're out looking everywhere. Um, Shanae's mom called the police and they completely sprang into action. They're like, you know, five years ago we were taken off guard this time. We're going to be ready. Like they shut everything down. Um, they organize searches like they're just out trying to find her and um, they they kind of started looking at so at, for this abduction, there were no witnesses to the abduction. They did not have a description of the person who took Shanae, but they started focusing on the people who came out for the search party because they knew that sometimes people will try to insert themselves in investigations to see where police are with things. There's any number of reasons. So there was a guy that they thought just seemed really suspicious. Like he seemed kind of weird. He was like just his mannerisms and everything. They just, yeah. And Winter said his like body language was real weird and stuff. Yeah. He was like hugging Shanae's mom a lot. He kept saying, everything's going to be okay. We're going to find your daughter and bring her home. And, they're just like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, cause she didn't know his name is Nicholas Bowen. She didn't know him super well. I guess she had met him through a friend, but it, it wasn't like, you know, her it, best friend. That yeah. Was like, like yeah, comforting her. It's yeah. Weird. It was, it was strange. So, um, officer winner said, he's like, you know, if you, if you have a feeling like that about somebody, you think they're involved if you can somehow during conversation kind of casually touch them, he was like, they just collapse if you got it right. You know, they just fall apart. So he said while he's talking to Nicholas, he's like, hey, man, you know, I've just got I'm just really worried that something bad has happened to her. We've really got to find her. Like if there's anything you can do to help, like I need to know it. And he reached over and touched him and Nicholas broke down and kind of buried his head in Officer Winter's chest, and he started crying, and he said, she's hurt really bad, she's bleeding really bad. And Officer Winter said, I've seen a lot of people bleed bad and live, take me to her. So he did. Um, Nicholas brought them to Shanae, um, but it was too late. She had already passed away. She was buried in a shallow grave. So... Apparently what had happened was um, he lived really close by and Shanae and her friends were playing outside and I don't know if they were just being loud or whatever, but he was outside as well. So this kid's only 17 and a half. Like they said that he was like a huge kid. He looked like a man. He was like six, two and like very large build and everything, but he was only 17 and a half. Um, and I guess some of the kids were kind of poking fun at him, like making fun of him. And I guess he flipped out and I don't know if it just like got out of hand. He, he hit her or something and he realized that it had gone too far. Um, but then he buried her and it really just kind of covered her body with like leaves and sticks and stuff. But 
it's fucking awful. Yeah, like terrible. how does that even happen? She's a four year old girl. Um, so police arrest him. He's taken to the police station and the community is like, holy shit. Like here's our boogeyman like this, you know, cause it's almost five years to the day. Like it's, it's very reminiscent kind of, I mean, I guess really it's a different age group. You know, Shauna was 11. This little girl was four. Um, but you know, they were both abducted. It's close to Halloween, whatever. But, um, with Nicholas only being 17 and a half, he only would have been 12 at the time. And they just really didn't. I mean, sure. A 12 year old can attack somebody and a 12 year old could maybe grab her off the street or whatever, but she was taken in a car. Like Nicholas didn't have access to a car. He couldn't drive then. Totally. So it just, it didn't fit. Um, so Shauna's family was devastated. I mean, they, they were, you know, really hoping to, to get some answers, yeah, um, to get some closure. Yeah. And they actually, when, when Shanae was reported missing and the community found out, like they jumped in the car and went over to help find her too. Like they were part of the search. Um, but you know, just at this good people, yeah, at this point they just felt like nothing was really being done. You know, like Lucy's like from the outside looking in, when you go that long without any updates, without any answers, without any, anything, you're just like, what are you doing? Yeah. What's being she done? We had, the same amount of answers from the first day to five years later. Like, right. it was exactly the same. Yeah. Around this time, Detective Daly retired, and when he left, um, Shauna's case went completely cold because he was kind of the main person over the case. So, by 1998, uh, Rick Graham had become a detective. So, he had previously been, like, a patrol officer. Now, he's detective. And he's putting all of his focus on Shauna's case. Like he visited her family and Lucy was like, he looked me in the eye and said, like, I'm going to solve this. And she just really felt like he was being completely honest, that he really cared about justice for her daughter. So during this time, Detective Graham had his regular caseload. His wife thinks that it was like around 72 cases. And um, she said that even with all of those other case- cases that he had, he still read her case every single night. Like he came home and he went over it every single night. Well, and the amount of times he would read things because apparently he's dyslexic, but he yeah. would read things like two or three times because he was like, you know, I had to read it a bunch of times just to make sure I got everything that I was reading right. Right. But he spent so much time on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's dedication man like he he made a promise to her family and he he intended to keep it um so in reviewing the autopsy photos in the coroner's report he noticed some discrepancies in the photos there was a mark on shauna's cheek which looked like to it was like a partial shoe print or something but there was no mention of it in the autopsy report at all so detective graham and his wife betsy went to see a renowned medical examiner herbert billinger uh, to review the photos in the autopsy reports. They wanted to get an outside opinion to make sure that, you know, this is what I'm really looking at. And Dr. Villinger agreed that the mark on Shauna's cheek looked like it was a shoe print. And he told Detective Graham, like, this was a really violent rape to hold her face down with a shoe. It's horrible. Um, so, that you know, and they knew that Shauna had been held in captivity for a few days But there were no restraints on Shauna's body. So six years later, after talking to Dr. Villinger and going back over the photos, and like he said, you know, you read stuff over and over. You look at photos over and over because you don't know what you missed the first time you looked at it. You don't know what you missed or like you've learned in between the time, the last time that you've looked at it. Maybe you've worked on a case where a little bit of knowledge from that case you know, something you've learned now, you've like kind of got that knowledge in your back pocket and now it can help you solve this case. So they realized with no restraints on Shauna's arms, legs, anything like that, like no evidence of restraints, they think they're looking for more than one person at this point because how could one person keep her captive for days by themselves it's just not as likely that she wouldn't have been tied up in some way. But if there's more than one person, she's always got somebody on her. Basically it becomes a lot more positive and makes possible and makes more sense. Yeah. I was like, I don't know where she's going there on that one. (laughs) That's not, that's yeah, it's not a thing. Um, so 
with this revelation, detectives decide to do a big sweep again. They start reexamining the leads. They're interviewing more people. Um, and one of the places they looked and, you know, were like doing some interviews was the fire department. And they learned something really interesting. So in 1992, the fire department responded to a fire in a small red car. Are there any other kinds? Yeah. This red car, though, happened to belong to none other than Ted Walker. What? Now, Ted Walker, remember, had been interviewed initially, and he had a connection to Shauna because of the pizza parlor he worked at. He and fit all the of description. the super weird hugging. Yes. He fit the description perfectly of the man that Dan Payton had seen during the abduction, and he... Like, was known in the area to basically, like, open his home to young kids. They said that his house was kind of like what they call a flop house. Basically, like, people could go and stay there if they wanted to. Like, if kids are having a rough time at home, he'd Ugh. let them come stay with them. Ted would love that. It's super fucking weird. Yeah. Um. So, and, and he had, you know, he knew Shauna from that area. Like, it's all kind of like, hmm, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So... Why was his car set on fire? Yeah, for sure. That's weird. Um, So they decide they're going to talk to him again. So during his interview, they ask how he had learned of Shauna's abduction. And he drops in two names that are very interesting to the police. Tim and Jim O'Brien. So they had just been arrested a few years before that for the attempted kidnapping of the woman on the same street where Shauna was abducted. And now he's saying that the O'Briens just ran into his house after Shauna was abducted and told him that a little girl had been kidnapped downtown. So they're like, he could have said any number of ways that he learned about the case. He could have said, I saw it on the news. I heard it at work. I read it in the newspaper like or any other person in the whole world told any him about other it. person but he said the o'briens and now we know that they've got a history of committing the exact same crime and his car was set on fire the same fucking like day or within days so like what the fuck ted mm-hmm. so now they're going to talk to the o'briens again so detective graham um Asked Detective Daly, like, did you ever look into them for this murder? And he was like, yeah, but they were in jail, so they couldn't have done it. Like, you know, it sucks, but it didn't pan out. Like, they were incarcerated. And so Detective Graham is going back through all the case files, and he's like, I don't see a report in here that shows that they were incarcerated. Like, we've been told that by somebody, but it's like kind of like the telephone game. Like, somebody told him, he told us, and like, it's just always been kind of taken as fact, but there's not a... Nobody looked into it. Yeah, documenting it. And at that time, everything had to be on paper. It's not like you could just beep, 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 were they in jail? You had to, like, call down. They had to pull the paper log and see who was there and, like, when they, you know, in and out, whatever. So I just want to know what your computer sounds like. Does it sound like that? Beep, 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 (laughs) beep. Yeah. Is yours not? (laughs) I'm not doing it right. Is mine mine wrong? Um... So, well, you know, with a podcast, you gotta, they can't see my handy computer mime. Oh, see? You're, yes. <laughs> I'm typing. You can't see it. No. You can't hear it. God, she's such a great storyteller, though, isn't but now, she? Beep, boop, 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 boop. Now and you know I'm typing. Yeah. And you, you would go. never have known. Exactly. <laughs> um, so he contacted a state trooper friend to pull the report for him. Because um, I guess the jail that they said he was at was the state police. Like, it wasn't his jailer. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. So his state trooper friend pulls the report and it did show that they had been arrested, but they had bonded out that day. So the O'Briens were not in jail the night of Shauna's abduction or when she was murdered. It's so crazy because so many years lost thinking. Yeah. That. Yeah. And luckily the next person they tried to abduct got away, but it could have not worked out that way. Um, so, you know, and there's, I mean, there's going to be human error and, and maybe they just pulled it and said, yep, they were arrested that day. Like maybe all they pulled was the arrest record or whatever, but yeah, they had bonded out. So they weren't there. Yeah. Um, so now he's like, they definitely had something to do with this. Like I thought they did before. 
now I really do. Why, why is Ted Walker bringing them into this? His car was set on fire. Like, does something happen in the backseat of his car or something? He's trying to get rid of evidence. Like, it's just very suspicious that all these things are coming together. Um, so he went to talk to Jim O'Brien. No, Tim. It's confusing because their names are literally the same. Yeah. He goes down to Tim first. So he's in jail for sexual sexual assault. Jim is in jail for that attempted kidnapping. Yes. Um, but he goes to talk to Tim first. So he's like, look, dude, I don't really need to talk to you much. I just want to get your DNA. Let's make that happen. And Tim's like, I'm going to have to consult my attorney on that one, which is smart. But also definitely makes you look super suspicious and guilty. So it does. But guys, if anybody asks you for your DNA, you get an attorney. Yes. Um, but while they're talking, so he's like, okay, whatever, fine. Like contact your attorney. Let me know. Um, but while they're talking, Tim discards a candy wrapper on the table and immediately detective Graham is like, Oh my God, because he remembers that exact same candy wrapper found right next to Shauna's body at the crime scene. It's in the photo. It's there. It's right next to her body. And it's the same candy wrapper. Now, chilling. Do many people eat the same candy? Yeah. But what are the odds, though? Yeah. You know? He's like, he said when he saw that, it was like chills that went from like the back of his neck all the way to his tailbone. He was like, I fucking knew it. Like he knew it. So he knows that the O'Briens are involved. He just has to prove it somehow. So he sent the DNA off for testing um, to the crime lab in 2000. He got both of their DNA. In 2002, it comes back. So it took two years to get this tested. And he gets the call that he's been waiting on. They tell him that Jim O'Brien's DNA is the match. So... They're like, okay, well, we know that the O'Briens definitely has something to do with it now. Now we got to figure out what Ted Walker's involvement is because, again, his car was set on fire and he's the one that brought the O'Briens into this whole investigation really in the first place. Like they had suspicions of it, but he brought their names into it. So they end up arresting Ted Walker for accessory to murder. They go and search his house and um, they get a search warrant and all kinds of stuff. So... Ted ends up confessing to basically walking up to Shauna that night. He already knew her. Um, she probably wasn't super comfortable with him, but he asked her if she was selling Girl Scout cookies just to kind of make her feel a little bit more at ease. Um, and he took her. We're going to take this back to... 1992. Carry down hand her to Tim. You hand her to Tim. You get back to your house. What's the next thing that happens? They come in carrying Sean and go up the steps. Uh, once they got upstairs, I heard her screaming, struggling. Leave me go, get off me. We picked Halloween night. It was only supposed to be a prank. What an absolute piece of shit. Yeah. Hate him. But I, the only thing good that I can say about him is at least he told the truth. Like you don't get that often. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after all of these things happen, they, what the police believe happened is they put her in the car in the trunk and they take her to Coulter's hole where they assault her again and they leave her bodysuit in the woods. And so now she doesn't have any clothes on and they've still got her. So they keep her in the trunk overnight. And, um, that also, they felt like explained the kind of like scuffs and scrapes on her knees because it's kind of like rug burn would sort of match that. So the carpet from the car, um, can you imagine like how scared Shauna was and what she had to have been thinking for like how, that? yeah, for how long she had to go through that. 
It's it's so heartbreaking. It's absolutely horrible. Um, and at this point, they're, the police are like, you know, at this point in the attack, basically, these people are thinking, she's seen our faces. She knows Ted. She could point him out for sure. Um, she could identify the car. She could identify the house. She could identify so much stuff. So they're like, we can't leave a witness. So they take her back to Coulter's Hole. They drop her over the trestle and leave her for dead. And it's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ted Walker pled guilty. Uh, he was convicted of kidnapping and third degree murder. And he t- agreed to testify against the O'Brien brothers. So he was sentenced to 40 years in prison. He got, I guess, a plea deal, which. But he was older than when he was arrested. So odds are he's going to die alone in jail. Yeah. He may already be dead. I don't know. Well, he didn't seem. You can only hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jim and Tim O'Brien were tried together. Um, their trial lasted 15 days. It concluded on October 26, 2005, after which the jury found the O'Briens guilty of uh, second and third degree murder, respectively, and uh, involuntary deviate sexual intercourse, or IDSI, kidnapping and conspiracy. So they were charged with, I looked this up because I wasn't sure what that meant. They were charged with IDSI rather than rape because while the semen was found on the bodysuit, it was also found like this horrible, but it was also found in Shauna's mouth. So charging them with IDSI encompasses more sex acts than does rape. So they felt like that charge was more appropriate. It, it encompassed everything that could have happened to her or that did happen to her based on the evidence. Um, so they were both sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Um, Tim O'Brien has tried to appeal his conviction because the, and just like threw his brother straight under the bus. He's just like Jim's DNA was the only one on it. Yeah. That asshole did it. Yeah. And their mom believes that neither one of them were, involved even in the face of the dna she's like they didn't do it oh my god yeah yeah um i'm sure yeah so um wouldn't she just be i'm sorry i don't know the love of mother whatever but like i'm guessing that they weren't little sweet adorable peaches to her either right so yeah i'm sure so, come you know, on. like how many Thank times god. have you bonded their asses out of jail like um so yeah, Tim cited like ineffective counsel and, you know, that they didn't have his DNA on it. And I mean, really, the only thing that placed him there would have been probably Ted Ted's testimony because Jim never confessed to any of it either. Um, but they did everything together. I mean, I don't know. So he, he really tried to appeal his conviction saying like that he didn't have anything to do with it. It was just Jim and Ted and whatever. But um, it the judge wasn't having it. And he was like, fuck you. You're staying in jail. And I mean, he he's a sexual predator, too. He needs to stay in jail. Yeah. Um. So they're both uh, sentenced to life in prison. No possibility of parole. So far, all of the appeals have been shot down Um. for Shauna's family. Knowing what happened to her um, and knowing that her killers are behind bars has helped them to at least move past the time in their lives where they were frozen in fear, frozen in just like that unknown place of like what happened to her, you know, just the not knowing I think is can sometimes be worse for people because you're kind of running everything through your head. So, yes. Uh, well, and Lucy said like she's not stuck in that place anymore that she thinks about Shauna every day. But when she thinks about her now, she can just say like, I love you and move on and go about her day rather than just sitting and thinking and, you know, staying in that place. Yeah. They can kind of focus on the happy memories of her and not, not the awful things that, you know, that she went through or that they weren't, you know, weren't sure what all happened. And And she's not hurting anymore. Yeah. She's like, she's not in pain and you know, it's just gotta be horrible, horrible, but it's, it's amazing to be able to go on with your life after something like that. So, um, this case was, it's a tough one. Yeah. It's I'm honestly surprised that you decided to do this one. I know. Yeah. It's a really hard one, but it, a lot of aspects of it intrigued me, um, like the investigation 
and just how relentless the police were with it. And, and that, you know, that one simple either misreading of a report or whatever, like, I mean, thank God the, the next woman they tried to abduct fought back and was able to get away. I mean, it, it just could have gone so bad. And I think they would have continued to do stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I don't see. That's the thing, though. I mean, I don't know. Some as far as I can tell, and I'm no expert, but when when do you decide to just stop doing something like that? You know, right. like, I don't yeah. think that that really happens. You do it until you get caught. Yeah. And one of the detectives was like, you know, when they had a little girl in their possession, that's like their playground. Just disgusting. It's so awful. But I it's their thing. Like, yeah. It's horrible. And they definitely just do awful things when they're together. They don't need to be together. Mm-mm. They need to be separated. Yeah. So. Ugh. Yep. So that's it. But, um, yeah. All right. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Yep. We're really, we are really trying to get better about our closing <laughs> of the podcast. We're not awful. great at it. We're still, we're a work in progress, but yeah. So here's where we're going to get awkward. Yep. Get ready for it. <laughs> in three. Yeah. Two. No. Um, but anyway, yeah. So anyway, again, to reiterate, <laughs> thank you. To sum up. Yes. <laughs> we're having fun. And you look young. Yeah. So little friends reference there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll catch you on the flip side. Yep. Thank you so much. T-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-